Croc Elite, a podcast about no effects. Once more, unto the punk rock elite, dear friends. Oh, that was good. I like that. That was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, I started off like Gail Good, and uh, yeah, it's good. Um, welcome, Punk Rock Elite Podcast, a podcast about no effects with me, Eddie French. And me, Red Redmond. Amazing. Well, we're back with another, well, not another album, another two albums. Yeah, this is, you know, this is the double album, not the double album but no no no. i mean a a double album episode (laughs) it's a double album episode and uh i'm going to go out on a limb and say i prefer this to double album you know i i I genuinely i've actually like i've probably only listened to uh single album and double album like once each like i don't Mm. really remember them much so i know in our previous episode we were talking about how much the the last two episodes or rather our, our guests were talking about yeah. how the last two albums uh, don't match up to what NoFX does. But my yeah. last proper experience with NoFX was uh, First Ditch Effort, which I loved. Yes. Um, so I should probably get around to listening to those properly. Well, yes, Niall uh, of uh, Nihilism of the uh, Midlife Punk podcast would argue that you're probably in a preferable position to people who went out and listened. That's his position. Um, I do agree that those two albums for me aren't vintage, mm-hmm. but they've got some good stuff on there um, right. here and thereabouts. Some some really good stuff in some cases, but uh, I don't think either of them for me match up to First Ditch Effort. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. We are. How have you been doing? You've been okay? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing good. I've been listening to these albums. I'm yeah. really looking forward to talk about them. I think there's there's so much to go through, particularly. I'm really glad that we've decided to do an episode on both of these albums and compare them because I think there's so much to say. I agree. I Because uh, uh, you suggested it. I said, let's put that one on top as well. I went, that is a good idea. Because these mm. are the two. They, they did do uh, a live version of Ribbed, which we touched on lightly in the Ribbed episode. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. I don't think Ribbed Live will be getting its own episode to be quite honest yeah we probably should have covered it in the ribbed episode potentially i think we touched on it a little bit i mentioned that Mm -hmm. um cody from the lillingtons sings one of the songs because it's too hard for mike to play and sing at the same time but i don't think there is a great deal to say about it it's it's Mm -hmm. weird as well because it was released in 2018 but i think it was recorded in 2012 yeah sort of sat on it for six years anyway it's um that's the only thing i'd be mainly interested in finding out about i've got to say is that why was it six years on the shelf um anyway it's uh yeah it's going to be it's going to be a good one i uh i don't know that uh we have uh really anything more to uh to add so what we'll do is we'll uh jump straight in if you've got any uh vibes on it then comment in our socials or uh, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. And whilst you uh, warm up your typing fingers, sure, um, we will jump on this music cue and see you in the main body of the episode. Don't worry, we're back again now. Back again. (sighs) You can't get rid of us that easy because we've got a lot to say about I Heard They Suck Live and they've actually gotten worse live. 
I remember when I was like getting into NoFX, this is, you know, the names of these albums is one of the things that made me go, oh, okay, there's something about these guys. I think these these might be some of my guys. I think this might be my kind of music. Um, <laughs> yes. There's just something about like the, the, the honesty, I guess, the, uh, the self-deprecation of mm. naming a live album, I Heard They Suck Live. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, the funny thing is, is that I think as far as uh, performance goes, on they've actually gotten worse live, that there were wrong chords played. There was uh, mm-hmm. actual yeah. genuine mistakes rather than, you know, forgivable, enjoyable sloppiness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, there's, you know, I can't wait to get stuck into this because I think I heard they suck live. I mean, I'd argue they very much don't suck live. They're actually quite tight in this first um, uh, live album. But you are right. When you get to they've gotten worse, they are, well, drunk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe more drunk. Yeah. But I I think they sober up throughout the the album. Yeah. Um, But, you know, both albums... For me, the standout star, and I know I'm starting strong, but Eric Sandin, man, like, <laughs> yeah, like, wow, uh, yeah, yeah. like, Smelly is is holding these albums together. Well, he is the uh, the sober one in all of them. So, yeah, this is uh, yeah. So it was recorded. Uh, start, I, I heard they suck live. Recorded on the eighth and 9th of January, nineteen ninety five, at the Roxy. Um, they didn't uh, name the club because of uh, royalty reasons. Basically, they they didn't name the venue, or they'd have had to have paid the Roxy. Mm-hmm. So uh, they avoided that. Uh, Forty minutes long, which makes it quite long for a No Effects album. But, I suppose it's got the chat in between, though. It does uh, quite short for a No Effects concert. It's normally about an hour. But yeah, it's um, there's uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's uh, oh wow. Okay, so uh, tracks one and nineteen are hidden and not listed on the back cover, which is um, a minute uh, and three quarters of brackets witty banter. <laughs> um, and at the end, the crowd leaves. You hear the sound of the crowd leaving as Nina Simone is played over uh, the PA. I suppose she's the voice of reason over the PA. I mean, Nina Simone was many, many things. Reasonable was not one of them. <laughs> Lord mother. So, uh, yeah. So we've got in it, so there's 17 songs. Leaning sort of heavy on the um, uh, sort of... I mean, there's only... Uh, uh, lean, yeah, a couple from... Uh, uh, Punk and Drublick, mm-hmm. uh, some from uh, White Trash and uh, some Ribbed, very little from anything earlier. I think is is like Beer Bong, obviously. Six Pack Girls. Yeah. Is, uh, and oh, Life is... of Riley, Drink You, Drive You, Spill. I'm talking out my ass. Yeah, there's plenty. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice mix, though. And I do think... Um, one of the most, uh, you know, obvious differences between these two albums is obviously this one's coming out in 1995. So it's right off the back of Punkin Drublick. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I think it's a great live album, but I do think it's at a point where No Effects' back catalogue 
isn't what it's going to become. You know, like there's a lot of uh, big albums on the way in the next few years. So, you know, they don't quite have the catalogue of songs that we know and love of NoFX, but it's a great album and they they do put together a good set list. It's uh, it's really really great. Whereas uh, they've actually gotten worse. Live was recorded uh, January thirtieth and February the first, two thousand and seven, and released in November two thousand and seven. Mm. So obviously that means that there's a lot more. There's wolves in wolves clothing. Um, pump up the volume. You know, I think I think wolves in wolves clothing is the most is the most recent release from when they were recording this album. So there's a few on there. Oh, oh, I didn't even notice that. But yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, more on Brothers. Um, yeah. And it, really interesting here, I think, with the track listing, mm. there's not a great deal of punk and Drublick on here. One, two. Like... Particularly not like the the bigger three. tracks from Punk and Drublick, you know. Like, there's no Leave It Alone. No, there's there's three. There's Linoleum, Punk Guy, and uh, the Bruise. And you know, like, I suppose obviously the Bruise and Linoleum, big tracks from Punk and Drublick. Mm. But Punk Guy isn't necessarily a standout song for me. And uh, it's really interesting, obviously, coming off the back of their most successful album, to only do three tracks off of that album. Well. I suppose, let me see. So, recorded January 95, when more, and um, Punk and Drublick was released July 94. So, it hadn't even been out six months. Right, sure. So, maybe it hadn't permeated. Maybe White Trash and Ribbed were still, you know, because who wants to be seen to be liking the new album the best? Not punks, am I right? <laughs> Well, maybe as well, like you don't like I don't know exactly what the the view was at the time, but maybe Punk and Drublick was an album that grew into its reputation. You know, I, mm. I think of, of films like The Thing, which I think yeah. is one of the greatest sci fi films ever made. Mm. But I, I, it kind of blows my mind that it flopped when it came out and it, it didn't do very well on release. So I'm like, yeah. but it's The Thing. Like, w- what was better than this? Like. I don't know. So I wonder if there was a similar thing here where upon its release, it people didn't quite realise how great it was. Maybe. I mean, yeah, Shawshank Redemption became a hit on home video. Yeah. Cinema didn't. And now it's topping all of the, you know, most beloved things. People say, you know, Shawshank's one of those safe answers to your favourite film because, you know, <laughs> you know, you can just say it. And But that was that was now when it came out, really. Mm-hmm. Sort of considered a bit of a flop. So... Because it was a, it was a Stephen King adaptation, but not a horror one. Yeah, and it's it's Frank Darabont as well, who mm. you know um, he has done stuff that I I, per- I personally love, but mm. um, like The Mist and um, parts of Walking Dead. But he he's not um, an out and out star as no. as far as it comes to direction. Yeah, if Spielberg had done Shawshank, it would have been mm-hmm. a you know, a 10 gallon big titted smash the moment it walked out of, you know, onto the red carpet. But, you know, anyway, uh, I heard they suck live. So um, thing I love about this album is when you listen to it with headphones, you've got one guitar in one ear, the other guitar in the other, bass and drums down the middle, mics down Mm -hmm. the middle. Yep. Melvin's voice is sitting alongside his guitar. Hefe's voice is sitting alongside his guitar. Mm-hmm. It's 
uh, and the same with um, they've gotten worse and i understand that's how live albums work but it's really really nice to hear that kind of a mix yeah because um it just sort of makes it a bit more involved you can you know studio tricks you can double track guitars you can punch in and out you can do all sorts of things and that's what i really really like about it and just how sort of fun that that vibe is i i i like the the mix of the amount of audience you can hear as well yeah that's that's really really good so um anything that's standing out for you on um on heard they suck live i mean i know i've mentioned it but i do need to reiterate for me i mean the, the listening to these two albums is i've just been blown away by like smelly basically yeah. and it's just the fact, man, he's just so tight. I think it's what you were just saying, you know, like um, on a lot of their studio albums, like you, you can be tricked into thinking that some of it's, you know, tricks or it's been tightened in post or whatever. But when it comes to a live album, there's no hiding, you know? Yeah. And he is so fucking tight. Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to um, They've Actually Gotten Worse Live. Um, and my girlfriend was around and... Uh, and I mentioned like, oh, their, their drummer actually doesn't use a double kick. He's actually just, uh, he's just mm. that good. And she was like, what? Like she could, she actually like couldn't believe the idea that he's playing a lot of these songs without a double kick drum. Yeah. The uh, the wonder of uh, any uh, no effects smelly drum cam video. You're like, oh my God, how's he doing that? Because it doesn't look like it's any great effort for him. It's it's mm-hmm. madness. It's really, really mad. Ryan Green, the uh, who actually produced um i heard they suck live and um punk and drublick responsible partially responsible for the fat sound he said that eric sandin has got the best right foot in the business like no one no one is that rock steady um and it yeah it really really shows on both of these albums but particularly i think heard they suck live there was a bit uh which um which song is it that goes from being it's like dead fast and then it goes to the do 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 Moron Brothers. Right. Like when that bit hits, I knew it was early on in the album, but when mm. that that change, like the change in tempo hits, yeah. I just remember being like blown away by the timing on on yeah. standing for that. And I, I just think it keeps them all together. Yeah, absolutely. I think um <clears throat> pardon me, I think my favoured my preferred performances of several of these songs are on this album. Mm-hmm. Certainly Life of Riley, uh, Moron Brothers, I think, as well. Um, the Bruise. I'd I, uh, argue that I think this album is better played. I think it's got better musicianship. I think they're tighter in this album. I, I do prefer the track listing on um, They've Actually Gotten Worse. But, yeah, I I agree because it's it's got there's there's a wider spread to choose from and yeah you know and in fact I probably do as well but but I think, I think my... what sings through for me you know I don't love the track listing here but I mm. do love this album like because they're I think it's the playing I don't know like it's um yeah they're good <laughs> yeah I think you know, like beer bong and six pack girls mm-hmm. are great on this album yeah and they're not particularly i'm not particularly fond of those songs beer bongs all right but they're um 
and some same of with the... uh, you, you drink you drive you spill like that oh, didn't yeah. really stand out for me on the album but yeah. on this live album it, it kind of does which is just as well because the uh, track is three minutes 31 seconds which makes it the <laughs> longest track on here although i imagine a lot of that is chat yeah afterwards so you know a lot of the tracks on they've actually gotten worse or they almost double in length due to you know the chat at the start or end of the song yeah but this this album a lot less chat but um you know it's There's a little bit more cha- of a live album you know it's more about the music I think so. I think they've put some chat in there, but um, I think also because they're from two different evenings. Yeah. And they sort of chop in and out, which I don't have a problem with particularly, yeah. especially if you're dealing with a, a band like No Effects. Uh, you know, so uh, I imagine you too would be able to record a whole live album in one evening. <laughs> um But would you get the best out of it? You know, it's sort of, you know, where does that become a, a problem? So, I mean... You know, um, I suppose that Nirvana live album was all different. Uh, the Muddy Banks of the Wishka, that was all different, like live songs from different uh, shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, I think this is a, a perfectly valid way of doing it. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, my, my favoured performances of a lot of these songs are on here. Uh, for my mind, you know, like Life of Riley, but sung better. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't argue. Um, and yeah, with the six pack, was it six pack girls where it starts, I want to do what to do what it's like really minor threaty. And that's, yep. and that's another one where the drums really carry it just amazingly. Uh, we do have to sit through together on the sand, which is fine. You always need to sit through something towards the end of a gig. That's true. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they they finish with buggly eyes, which isn't my uh, and again not one of my favourites. It's sort of like you've just had the bruise, and then they're mm. like, yeah, I put buggly eyes on it, but I guess that's fine. I mean, yeah, I think I think the I, bruise... I don't think either album has a particularly. Eh, it, I don't think either album has like a really really big closer. No, and that may be deliberate. An mm. anticlimax may be considered a joke. <laughs> I suppose it's like a shaggy dog story, isn't it? You know, a joke that goes on forever and then the punchline is deliberately underwhelming. Who knows? It does sound like a very no effects thing to do. Sure, absolutely. But, um, oh, and uh, the Kill All the White Men, is, this is my favoured um, version of that as well, because they've actually put oys into the, uh, when it goes punk at the end, which I like. Oh, there's a, a rudimentary penis song in there, the Nothing But a Nightmare. Yeah, sure. Which uh, involved, which is the first time I heard of crass or rudimentary peni. I've never heard of rudimentary peni. <laughs> they, um, I think they had, um, yeah, they they were an anarcho punk. They were like in the sort of art anarcho punk thing, like crass. They were sort yep. of you know squatting types and all the rest of it um i've not really heard a great deal but they were quite um experimental in how they approached stuff it was that kind of end of the punk thing but uh uh, if you uh the the big drag um on single album is considered to be quite peni influenced if if you would countenance such a phrase (laughs) 
Which I certainly won't be doing again. But yeah, so uh, so that's so, right. We've we've had a look at that. Let's have a look at um, they've actually gotten worse. I um, and then and then we can start uh, comparing these maybe a little more. Perhaps is that a good idea? One thing I do think is great about these live albums is yeah. I love the album artwork for both. Um, <laughs> yes. I slightly prefer they've actually gotten worse. I think they've actually gotten worse might be my favorite NoFX album cover. <laughs> um, but I, I love the the cartoon work on this. Um, I think it they've they've really captured their audience. <laughs> yes. I think they've been very generous in uh, how young they've made their audience. But yeah, overall... <laughs> Yes, I uh, I think uh, yeah no I do like it. I, I remember the uh, yeah I heard they suck live uh, the front cover. It, it's just I think the audience look a lot more angry on the heard they suck live. They're like flipping them off. They're like looking either bored or like furious. Yeah, it's uh, it's really really funny. Whereas they've actually gotten worse. The band sort of just look a little bit disappointed. Yeah, and interesting with that because obviously this came out in like 2007 so this yeah. is much later and uh you know this would have been around the same time as um uh, we recently did an interview with um uh the the midlife punk podcast mm. and they were saying how they'd been to see no effects earlier in their life around this time and they described them as kind of bored on stage and kind of like over it yeah. And uh, this is all. This is a little after that, but it feels like they're still a little bit in the same mind frame of, you know, what is yeah. this for? <laughs> well, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I think so. It's. Uh, hey, I appreciate that as an artist because sometimes yeah, you do feel that about your own art. And, oh, absolutely! Um, yeah, I, I'm oh, no, always. I mean... You know, like you, you mentioned, you you two earlier. You two would yeah. never pretend to be bored with what they're they're playing you know like they would always pretend that they are oh, loving it and it's they would go work. out and be you because a lot of people are counting on you two to be you too and mm -hmm. if they don't do that that's a problem so yeah um i'm just gonna say it must be tough but fuck bono so you know um <laughs> i feel bad for which one larry sure maybe larry's having a bad time um but uh well it's the same you know it's the same where we we have both done gigs more than we'd care to remember where we've turned up only to be told, right? If anyone's, if anyone out there is thinking of getting into stand up, get used to this phrase: "Oh, you should have been here last time. It was full." Because mm -hmm. that's what people who run gigs will tell you. You turn up and you go, "All oh, right, so um, when are we letting the audience in?" Oh, no, 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 they're already in. Those four people. <laughs> so, hope you're going to enjoy the gig you're about to do because you are doing it. You go, oh, all right, then fine. And you know, you you, it's very unfair on the four people who actually turned up. If they're just going to have a load of people go, oh fucking hell, can't believe no one turned up uh, except for you or whatever. So you have to sort of try, and uh, and sometimes you don't manage it, but you have to try to make it look like you're really enjoying yourself. That's just uh, that's just how it goes. So yeah, I I totally understand the urge to not do that, and uh, and I think that's a good thing. But yeah, so. We've got. They've actually gotten worse live. Um, this one, oh, I mean, the track listing's a lot longer. Yeah, it there's is. no uh, sort of intro or outro, as it were. There's a song called Intro, but uh, 
but uh, and glass war um, they do do the um is it eight songs in six minutes they do on this album which obviously uh helps to bulk up the the, the track listings yeah um like i mean there's one song that's only 20 seconds fuck the kids yes uh absolutely but also the, the it's also 20 minutes longer than heard they suck live it's it's a, just shy of an hour long mm-hmm. so this is this is a big slice of no effects for for the the price of a regular cd so that's um that's pretty good really and you've got a, a big you've got more like you say a more diverse uh backlog to pull from and mm-hmm. it is a much more recent heavy uh thing you know there there's a lot of uh errorism pump up the valum uh so long wolves you know there's one from ribbed there's one from white trash yeah i don't think there's oh yeah, there's a couple from punk and Drublick, but and but there's a lot of stuff from eps mm-hmm uh, and I think that I think it's quite reflective of what it would be like to go and see No Effects at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's got you know, as I said, I think it's got a better track listing. This, I think it's got a bit more of a satis- satisfying track listing. Like as you said, if you went to see them live, I don't think you'd be disappointed with uh, the songs that you hear. I think the biggest difference in this is they really lean into. Uh, you know, the chat in between songs, you know, like yeah. having fun on stage. And I'd argue that, you know, whilst this mo- this um, this album is called They've Actually Gotten Worse Live, mm. I feel like what it almost could have been called is They've Actually Started Having More Fun Live. <laughs> because they yeah. are enjoying themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, but, well, they're, they're enjoying themselves partially because they've got three songs on here that they've changed the arrangement on mm, yeah uh you're wrong which Whoops, i od'd i mean you're um, wrong might be i mean it's my my favorite version of this song and it yeah. might be my favorite song on the album um it's really it's good it's really good they've got that one they've got um sorry does that we march to the beat of an indifferent drum mm-hmm that version's really good with the um, with the trombone and the keyboard and stuff in a sort of more reggae style. Yeah, that's great. And uh, whoops, I OD'd with the full band as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think all of those are probably a, well, are, are certainly better to see live. Seeing Mike play whoops, I OD'd by himself on the bass live. I don't know. It might work, but I don't think it would work at a big show. Maybe in a little club, pardon me, like 200 people. That might be pretty cool. Yeah. But we march to the beat of an indifferent drum when it goes back into the fast, heavy bit. That's really, really great. We've got a couple of guests. We've got Matt from Flogging Molly on accordion for I'm Melvin. Yeah, yeah, which was a lovely little uh, surprise. And I, yeah. I've i noticed Melvin says during this interchange, oh, I can't play accordion. But he can now, can't he? I'm pretty sure that I've seen him play accordion since. Oh, no, he he he, he can play accordion. And I uh, and I think he 
probably played it in the studio, but I imagine he can't play it. He certainly can't play it to the level Matt Hensley can. Absolutely, um, yeah. And Matt Hensley is is insane on uh, on accordion. Uh, so I think he's probably doing a bit of self-deprecation because they used to finish when they finish with um, theme from a no effects album yeah. that he plays, uh, you know, he'll stay on stage for ages just playing it. And then he plays uh, uh, Can't Help Falling in Love With You uh, as well for a bit of a change up, which is uh, fun as well. So he can he can do it, but I think I don't think he could do it and sing at the same time. So fair. But it is, uh, but it sounds great. I, it, it's such a good, um, such a good version. That one, it sounds really, really great. And uh, Sarah Sandin uh, sings vocals on Laurie Myers. I wondered who that was. Yes, it's uh, yes, Melly's wife. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't it good? Um, really, really great, really great version of Laurie Myers. I've got to say, obviously, yeah. uh, the the original. Oh, the original. The uh, the album version one of my absolute favorites and kim shattuck is sort of peerless but that she sarah sandin sounded great on this version so very happy with that yeah absolutely um i mean you know it's 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 a great album i do think that the um it's almost like you know the music isn't the most important thing to this album it's you know you're getting like no effects as a whole, you know, which, you know, the music is a part of that, but you know, it, it's more about the jokes in between the songs than it is actually playing the songs. Well, yeah. I, th- and I, I like think, that. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think this is a much more reflective. I don't know. I didn't see no effects in 1995. So I don't yeah. know whether I heard they suck live was a sort of, reasonable representation of them but i did see no effects sometime around 2007 <laughs> so um yeah. in fact i probably saw them i think i saw them in when did i move to Madrid? i oh, know i said but anyway um I, I saw them around this time definitely and i get the impression that this was what it was like and yeah, i also think real. that this is uh it's not miles away from what they are like now yeah um they are i think they are more like they are on this album than they were on i heard they suck live um Mm. and you know i mean i would have seen them first maybe a few years after this but like there's still a lot of you know like they they i've seen them fuck around and mess up songs and joke about that um almost to a fault (laughs) yeah well, I well, one of my favourite moments on uh, on this is a is a a genuine non cynical piece of silliness, which is when uh, someone in the crowd called Amy asks to be said happy birthday to. Oh yeah, and he goes, "Oh, happy birthday, Amy!" And she goes, "Hooray!" He goes, "Wait, that was you. You can't ask for yourself." All right, we're going to play, it. and they play the happy birthday song, yeah. and it starts off with the bass, ding, da, da, ding, da, da, ding, da, da, ding, da, ding, and uh, El Jefe yeah. just starts singing, "Some eleven, happy blast." Mike's, and that's funny, but Mike's response, which is to like stop playing, laugh, and go, "Don't fuck me up, dude." It's like one of the most genuine interactions yeah. in it. You know what I mean, there's no, there's no performance in it. It was like, like actually real, and I, uh, <laughs> I think. 
that could even melt the heart of uh, Tom Sidwell from Midlife Punk Podcast. I think my uh, favourite little aside in this is when uh, Mike says something like, oh, they should name a Ben and Jerry's flavour after me. <laughs> FA just as quick as a, yeah. uh, just like as quick as anything just says uh, chunky drunky. Yeah. Perfect. Lovely. Um, is there, do you know what? I don't think uh, I, it really annoyed me because Mike didn't even acknowledge it. Like the audience laughs yeah. and he just sort of carries on. I'm like, mate, come on. But Hefe is an improviser. So, you know, he'll just he'll just push through that. Hefe's a funny guy, man. You know what? Yeah. Listening to this album specifically, mm. I think I might change who... I said my favorite NoFX member was. Really? Yeah, man. Like, I don't, like, I've been living with these Eric Melvin tinted glasses. And sure. It's all about Hefe. It's always been Hefe. Wow. It's always been Hefe. It's coming out all over again, Red. This is incredible. <laughs> um, I support your journey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My all right. Pronouns are well, Hefe. Well, I imagine that in a non-interview episode where Hefe finally gets off the mark. This is uh, this is big news. He's, man, he's like he's he's breathed life into this band, and I think live is where you really see it as well because he's not just you know the best guitarist they've had mm. and you know a, a, a great um, a trumpet player, but. He's he's funny. I think he's yeah. the fu- he's the funny. He's like a walking episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> he's got that style of humor. He does all the voices. He's yeah, he is. He's yeah, he is. He's like he's like good era Simpsons. You know, he's a bit uh, racist, but yeah, sure. <laughs> we love it for some reason. Yeah, it's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I know. Apparently, he just gets a free pass on all the Jamaican accents he does when he's doing reggae. <laughs> I and stuff. was thinking that actually, <laughs> like, kill all the white man. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to go straight into this ludicrous patois. All right, well, you know, you do you, <laughs> or someone else, in fact. But uh, who knows? It's um, I don't know. I think well, I'm not going to excuse it. It is what it is. But you know, for some reason, when he does it, I find it funny. There you go. Cancel me. Finally, we'll get some notoriety. <laughs> Next week will be Punk Rock Unleashed. Uh, we're going to be that. Uh, we're going to be that noy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, I think, um, and I really like the fact that he's actually gone into acting, and you know, he's he's in an improv group. He's actually flexing his wings a little bit. Yeah, flexing his wings, flexing his muscles, spreading his wings. Uh, he's mixing his metaphors all over the place, and I love that for him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really really cool, um, and he is properly funny on it. And um, there's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think, um, I think certainly Mike appears a lot funnier when he's got Hefe working with him. Yeah, definitely, because he, he is funny. But you know. It, it, the whole thing works a lot better with the two of them. Well, I think Mike's a little bit meaner and I think that he needs someone who's a bit more comedy orientated alongside him to, uh, to balance that out. And I definitely think he gets it on this album. I also much more understand why Hefe changed from, you know, he jumped ships from being playing with Mark Curry to no effects. Yeah. And I know that he was playing much bigger venues with Mark Curry yeah. and then suddenly sleeping in a van with no effects. But I can see why he's made that change when he suddenly gets to be 
I mean, I, I when I like, he's almost like the second front man of No Effects. Like he, yeah. he talks as much on stage, um, and I, I can see. I really do understand like why you'd want to be a part of this band as opposed to you know just being the guitarist of another band. Yeah, being yeah being the backing guitarist for Mark Curry is the name above the whatever but on the canopy outside the venue mm-hmm. and you go in there and you know and you have to keep on showing your badge and people go uh, you know people say to you oh mate i went to see mark curry last night it was so good go, oh yeah i was there oh mate did you see the guy no i was on the stage next to him I'm like oh yeah, i don't i don't care you know whereas <laughs> in this you get you know you get your due a little bit more yeah um, absolutely you know, and, I, and i'm absolutely certain he was very happy to have had two music jobs because you know he went to school for music he sort of actually studied this and um you know was a lot more sort of proactive about it i suppose in a way i'm not i'm not saying you have to do that but you know he'd he sort of really planned this out rather than you know mike said himself he thought he was going to get his um estate agent license sell houses and play yes, punk on course. the weekend and stuff like that so for them it was like oh this is a fun thing that we really really love doing and it turned out that Hefe was always sort of thinking, no, I need to make this work for me, you know, because he could have been a session player, you know, he could have been mm-hmm. in any number of, of uh, you know, live bands of any kind of thing. He could have been in a mariachi band. He could have been in a jazz band. He could have been in a funk band. You know, he's got the chops and the interest to be able to do that. And instead he went, I get to be a, a big dumb clown and play this shit as well. And I think that's, really inspiring but yeah you're right i've always i've always had a great deal of affection for hefe especially in a live setting yeah absolutely so there's um and i think in fact if anything there's more banter in gotten worse than heard they suck much 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 more i I think that's why it's kind of uh Obviously, like, there's a lot more tracks, but they do do the, you know, six tracks in eight minutes or whatever, which is making up a, a lot of that. I mm. think the length of this album is because of the, the banter in between songs. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a few songs that end and then, you, like, you're looking at the track and, the, oh, the track's got two minutes left. Yeah. And that's just them shooting the shit. Well, yeah, like, uh, we march to the beat of an indifferent drum, for example. That's five mm. minutes 40. <laughs> But a big chunk of that is them introducing Matt Hensley, who plays on the next song. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing. Like Green Corn, 2 minutes 55. <laughs> That's definitely got some chatter on the end, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all this kind of stuff. It's um, And there's some little... Also, they're, they're less precious about stuff. They seem to be messing around with stuff. Mike does a lot of... There's uh, on the Wikipedia page... There's uh, all the lyrical changes are listed, which is nice. Great, yeah, yeah. And there's some really interesting uh, one. Some, some um, on purpose, some not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, I think these are all of the uh, uh, actual ones. Yeah, because a, a friend of theirs died the morning that they recorded one of these things. Uh, OD'd on a golf course, so in whoops, I OD'd. He changes it to golfers like to test the limit instead of assholes like to test the limit. Yes. Stuff like that. <laughs> and it's, you know, hey, you know, grieve how you will. Um, but yeah, Longest Line features uh, features Green Day uh, in it. 
because of the same same uh, chords as Basket Case, but released two years earlier than Green Day. Hmm, I wonder. Yeah, very interesting that. And I, you know, like I, I think that's my favorite. Um, you know, fuck about on this album, like yeah. where they do just go into Basket Case on Longest Line. I, I th- yeah. think it was. Uh, again, one of the first things that was played to me when I was introduced to this album, like, oh, you've got to listen to this. Look, they actually just take the piss out of Green Day here. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's delightful. Yeah, but I mean, they are friends with some of Green Day. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's... Uh... But, it, but it, you know, it, I've, I've... it's that thing, isn't it? It's, um, it's a bit like when... Um... Stuart Lee got a load of grief for making fun of Michael McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I only made fun of him because he's the biggest comedian in the UK right now. Yeah. If it, it's not personal, it's just the status in relation to my own. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think this is precisely that. It's like, well, who else is the biggest punk band? Oh, I'm sure, you know, Green Day don't consider themselves a punk band or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter really. But, you know, they came from the same thing. Yeah, they come from the same source, and so you know it's that, or because I don't think Blink One Eight Two were such a, around two thousand and seven. It was a bit of a fallow period for them, as I recall. Oh, is is that not around the period of uh, American Idiot? American Idiot came out in like early noughties. No, I was just saying rather they they chose Green Day rather than say Blink One Eight Two. Right. Yeah. Uh, Blink One Eighty Two for our American listeners. They get so angry if you pronounce it wrong. Who, um, who also do get a, a name drop in this. Um, they make some comment about, hey, this isn't a Blink-182 concert. Oh, about, oh, yeah, when, um, uh, oh, you're showing your breasts. Yeah, it was that kind of thing. It was that, yeah, yeah, yeah it was that thing. You're like, this isn't a Blink-182 show, but, you, you know, <laughs> um, which is, uh, which is <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I mean, I do remember at, um, seeing blink 182 at leeds festival one year fairly soon after you know all the small things and stuff like that so it must have been 2000 or 2001 and uh, no they they were actively encouraging uh the exposing of breasts like they were motley crew or something and i was like it's like revenge of the nerds <laughs> just <laughs> It's like, oh wow, we're suddenly cool. Well, let's act like fucking. Oh yeah, gonna see them knockers. Thanks, love. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like, come on, guys. But uh, yeah, so they, 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 yeah, they, they have a go in that sense. But and and you know that's uh, kind of funny, a little harsh, but you know whatever. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think um, it's weird. They seem less hurried in. They've actually gotten worse. Yeah, it uh, might be just because they've edited down the banter and the heard they suck live. But I, seems... I, I mean, I'd be surprised if that was the case. I, I'd love to know, and if anybody does know, uh, do get in oh. touch. But I, I think at this point in two thousand and seven, I think that they are just a much, much bigger band than they were in nineteen ninety six. I mean, this is off the back of War on Errorism, which I understand did raise their profile quite considerably because you know like they were doing a lot of uh cross promotions with other bands with other artists uh doing the whole stop the war um effort and um you know like war on errorism which i can't wait for us to get to um i I would argue is 
probably their most commercial album. Oh, which was sorry. Uh, War on Errorism. Would you Would you agree with that? Sorry, I missed you again. Oh, um, I was just saying, War on Errorism was right. probably their most commercial album. I'd probably argue the one um, to a to a degree. Let's have a look here. Um, I always thought Franco on American sounds yeah very mainstream for them. One of my favorite NoFX songs, but it, it, yeah. it does sound more radio playy. I think. Um, do you know what? It's got a lot more song style songs like verse chorus verse rather than their sort of weirder thing so maybe and maybe it was because of maybe they they wanted it to be a bit more accessible mm. because of the um uh because of that sort of uh the, the the message that was in in it do you know what i mean like the the it was very political it was sort of wanting to be a bit of social change and so maybe they thought a slightly more accessible album i don't know i i'm speculating but yeah i think uh war on errorism is probably yeah i think it is the most accessible album now you think about it i'm just having a look here sorry i'm ever so slightly distracted i'm trying to um the heard they suck live was recorded at the Roxy. Yeah, and war of uh, and uh, they've actually gotten worse. Was recorded at Slim's in San Francisco, which was opened by Boz Skaggs. And I'm just trying to find out what the capacities are. It's not interesting. Um, it's slightly interesting, but yeah. So I just thought maybe they're probably playing a bigger venue for they've actually gotten worse live. Yeah, it doesn't say, does it? No idea. But I mean, that's pro- I, I, I'm going to say safely say that in 2007, no effects were playing bigger venues than they were in 1995. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know why I even uh, went on the side there. But I yeah, mean, I think y- uh, you could even like cite the uh, like the album artwork even kind of gives you a clue, like. Oh yeah, you know, no, I, I heard they suck the album artwork. It looks like a tiny little hardcore gig, but then they've actually gotten worse, and you can see there are actually like you know they're spreading a back, sea of they? people, yeah. like quite far off into the distance. You're absolutely correct. Yep, that was almost uh, looks more like a festival stage. Well, you get to wear the deer stalker for this episode, Red. But uh, <laughs> that's absolutely quite quite right. Yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, there's a uh, really uh, I, uh, yeah, they've actually gotten worse live. There's some some absolutely wonderful uh, performances in it. Uh, standout tracks for me, I really like uh, What's the Matter with Parents Today. Mm. Um, the three uh, changed songs, You're Wrong, um, Indifferent Drum, and Whoops, I OD'd. Uh, Laurie Myers, uh, I'm Telling Tim. But I like that whole... Um, uh, you know, eight songs in six minutes thing, and I and that's obviously like a bit of a staple of 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 what they do live now. I, I've seen them do a similar thing, uh, live a lot. They normally oh, yeah. do, you know, um, 
you know, try and put together a, a few songs, cut them down, make them a bit shorter and just run them one into each other. Yeah. Um, and one thing I think is quite interesting, because obviously this is before Coaster. This is a couple of years before Coaster. And yeah. um, we've mentioned that they're, you know, whilst they're having fun on stage, we kind of get the feeling that they're getting a little bit bored with their own music mm. and uh, playing live. And I think that's really interesting because I think I think Coaster is is like the next step for them. Like I think it I think um, No Effects go through a lot of different eras, and I think Coaster is the start of a brand new era for them, where they kind of get over that sort of uh, the, the, the slump that they feel in playing live, and they they learn to love their music again um, as it. But, but it kind of evolves like I'm not I'm you know like Coaster is my favorite album I'm not saying it's the best album sure sure not at all it's personally my favorite I, I quite like the tracks on it um but you know like it it feels like a very different era to um but it but it feels like this is very much the start of that era if that makes sense yeah, interesting. I think maybe I heard they suck live is the start of their sort of more rapid ascent. Mm. With they've got Punk and Droblick under their belt, and you know, by nineteen ninety nine, so only four years after this was recorded, they're going to be putting out the decline. They're going yeah. to be, you know, the sort of brave new world. They... I mean, y- you could argue at this point they've released their seminal albums. If I heard they suck live. Yeah, so like before um, they've actually gotten... Oh, sorry, I meant before they've actually gotten worse live. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. So by by this point, you've you've had, obviously, Punk and Droblick, War on Errorism, Wolves and Wolves Clothing. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of people would argue like those are those are the big ones, maybe White Trash. Um, so long. Don't underestimate so long. Oh, of course. Was... Sorry. Yeah, what, what I'm even playing at. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they've done so long, uh, which features in this heavily. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of a, a weariness to their music where they're, they're almost like aware <laughs> they've done their um, biggest work. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I like Coaster, because I think they, they, they re-energize from, from, from that point on a little bit. Um, I think um, I think with. Um, uh, the. Uh with coaster for example i think that's when they they stop being quite so fast mm-hmm. we never get back to that pure blistering speed of what i consider to be the so long yes speed that real you know that um socal punk beat the fat sound the fat drum beat and they released that in what 98 or something and so they sort of never really went back to that level in their new material after that and so that was sort of like that they had their sort of hardcore wannabe thing up to ribbed and then when Hefe joined in they were like oh right okay we'll start off this sort of moving through white trash into punk and droblick and then they had that the fat sound all the way through to 99 and then sort of that yeah this period sort of between then and this live album and so if they were to do a live album now, I'd be very interested to hear what they would think. Because obviously they're doing sort of full albums, you know, 
couple of full albums or full album and the decline in their tours but if they were to put out another live album it'd be very interesting to see what that looked like i'm actually really really surprised that they haven't i mean when you think you know i heard they suck live was 95 this is 2007 so 12 years after i mean we're sat here in 2023 and i I don't believe they've done another full length live only only ribbed but that seems crazy to me like this deserves an update well, I think what they're doing, and I don't know how to access it, uh, I think what they're doing is they are offering, as a part of their tickets, MP3s of each concert. They are, but, I, you know, I feel very... Because I, I saw that, because uh, I, I recently purchased parking for the uh, the Leeds event, and I did see that. I don't know, I feel a little bit cynical about it, because, I mean, it's 16 quid, which I do think is a lot for an album, particularly yeah. a live album. Um, and yeah, there's something about it where like, so like these were properly released. These were released commercially. And yeah. if you want to go and sit down and listen to a NoFX live album, you kind of have these two choices and live in a dive. Um, but you know, and like there's shows some... online. Yes, of course. But then, but these are the albums that everybody kind of has to listen to if they want to listen to live albums by NoFX. Whereas if you're just going to release live recordings of all of your final 40 shows, which is what I understand mm. they're doing, then you're kind of like, well, that's 40 different recordings. Um, it's, well, it's, it, it loses the communal aspect. You know, we, we wouldn't, we're not going to do an episode on each of those 40 recordings. Absolutely not. But I think that it's entirely possible that they might put out Mm. an album of one song from each of them and have like a double live album of the last tour of course and that would be brilliant i'd be that well up to me that. sounds like something that would one make a lot of sense yeah. two actually be a 40 demand songs for. in 40 cities yeah yeah of course. shows you know i think i wouldn't be surprised if that came out i think it'd be kind of silly if they didn't absolutely and also <laughs> We will do that as a podcast episode because we wouldn't even we we could do that as a full episode. We wouldn't need to compare that to anything. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, no, absolutely. So if uh, if no effects are finally listening, um, do that <laughs> or just send us them and we'll make one. Yeah, because what's what's forty times sixteen? Too many. A lot of money. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I mean that's it. Because the thing is, I did. Basically, at the time, I could just uh, buying the ticket. I could just about afford the ticket, the fees, the parking, all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And now I was like, oh, now I could afford to add that on, and I couldn't find out how to do it. I nearly did it, but then I I forgot. I didn't realize it was sixteen quid. Though. That is a lot. It's it's a lot for a, a live album. But then uh, I, I suppose I suppose an album gets cheaper if more people are going to buy it. So they go, well, we sold this many tickets. How much do we need to break even to pay someone to actually record it, master mm-hmm. it, put it all together? It does, you know, I, I, people should be paid for that. And so, you know, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, uh, but yeah, so that's that's interesting. Yeah, I think, um, uh, what are your highlights from uh, Gotten Worse? Gotten Worse, I th- you're wrong, I think, is my favourite on this um, album. Um, I do prefer the start and the middle of the album to the end. Um, I think, obviously, Laurie Myers is great. 
Hmm. Um, but it's something about the the final songs, even though it's got Green Corn in there, which is one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, that I, I I don't I don't know. It loses me a little bit towards the end, but the the banter and the interplay between the members keeps me uh, interested throughout. Yep. Um, Eat the Meek is one of my favorite no effects songs. And I know it's quite different to a lot of their stuff, mm. but it's man, it's, it's done so well here. And oh, yeah. again, longest line. Uh, I know it's again, quite a, you know, I, I'd argue it's probably one of their most mainstream singles. Um, yeah. but it, it's, it's so good. And, yeah. uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the addition of the basket case line, yeah. um, makes it you know special i think it's also nice to hear it here where mike isn't straining to sing it yeah because on the on the recording which i do love it sounds it sounds like an effort mm-hmm. and it sounds like less of an effort here not that he's giving less, less of an effort he's just he's just better at singing it now yeah absolutely yeah what about uh, what about you um mm, what are your um i think it's a really good version of franco on american yeah, he, d- despite like there are errors in it, like because he's yeah. really drunk at this point. Like Mike in mm. particular, like there's a few like real fumbles of lyrics where he just he can almost get can't get the words out. But, but I agree, it's a the, great version. And there's a part of me that thinks that's because he's too busy thinking of what he's going to replace lyrics with. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, because he does, you know, Public Enemy and Reagan Youth is the dead. The dead Kennedys and wasted youth. Yes, and then um, he does the he does the bridge which he did on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Um, over the instead, of, the instead of just going, that's the way to go, Franco. And instead of doing the chorus, mm-hmm. he goes, "We all know George Bush is an imbecile. He loves dick, but he hates homosexuals. I'm sick and tired of the embarrassment the whole world wants us to kill, kill our, our fucking, fucking president." Yeah, I think it says yeah on uh, on. Conan O'Brien, he didn't say president because I think they bleeped it out or like muted it, or he just didn't say it because he'd get in a lot of bother. Well, uh, on but he says the, it on the record on the Spotify version, he doesn't say it. Oh, really? On the Spotify version, which is what I listen to, they just blank it out. So, president, it, you just is inaudible. I'm pretty sure it's like that on the album version, but I who knows? Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, and um. And yeah, I I really really like it, but I think it's weird. I think as long as you've got you've got Sandin holding it down, yeah, they're, man. They're, they can they can get back to anywhere because Sandin isn't stopping. No, absolutely not. And it's it's and I'm actually maybe... kind of like I'm kind of a bit blown away. Like so so they're this drunk, yeah, <laughs> and Sandin's just. Like yeah. not, and he's just okay with there. that. I don't know. Like, like what a I'm, nice I guy, mean, I guess. I mean, there was a point where he wasn't okay with that. Yeah. Um, and that is have, really fair. Yeah, the the oh yeah, absolutely. There's the the bit where he's like, "You're literally doing coke in front of me." Mm-hmm. How about no? And that's and that's a big deal. I've you know had various issues with uh sobriety and various people in my life have not been helpful yeah um, absolutely and uh and it does sting you do sort of think I, 
I don't need you to think about me all the time, but you know, thinking at all would be, you know, that kind of particularly thing. when you're holding the whole thing together. I've I don't think I've ever been that instrumental in any situation where this kind of thing has happened to me. <laughs> so and even and so even more would I have been annoyed at that point. There's a really funny thing on the uh, actually gotten worse live wiki, which is uh, in the bit marked reception. Um, said uh, the album received generally good reviews. Well, punknews.org gave it three stars and Crawdaddy gave it a rating of favourable. So not really across the board, but uh, they, they praised the band's humorous performance. However, the, however, the album was universally criticised for fading out to the decline instead of playing the whole song. Yeah, I, I I wanted to talk about this because I mean I actually didn't realize it was it was the decline on first listen. I mean it does fade it out pretty quickly. Yeah, um, but you hear the crowd go bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, well, if you want to listen to the decline, you, you can go and listen to the decline. I don't know. I feel like the album's long enough. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I I I just thought that was possibly the best joke in the entire thing. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. nah. It, it it really made me laugh. Well, um, may, maybe this was. Do you think this was recorded over several nights? You know how we couldn't find where this was recorded. Could this have been? Uh, oh, it says just a, a collection says, of recordings. It says that it was recorded on January the thirtieth and February the first of two thousand and seven. Oh, okay. So over two nights, similar to yeah. the first and one. It, uh, the first one was two nights as well. Eighth uh, and ninth of January, nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, uh, the Roxy, uh, it was recorded at the Rock. I heard they stuck live. The first one was recorded at the Roxy, but they didn't give the name um, or location of the club because otherwise they'd have had to have paid a lot of money. Uh, but then they revealed it later after some sort of statute of limitations was lifted. So, um, but uh, on the Gotten Worse live, they say that it's recorded at Slim's in San Francisco. Oh, okay, sure. So, for whatever reason, they, um, you know, uh, according to the, uh, oh, the, oh, here we go. On September the 26th, 2007, the band posted a bulletin from their MySpace profile. Hmm. How 2007 of you. Uh, follow uh, Regarding the album. Ever done something you regret while drunk? I know, I know. So embarrassing, right? Ever woken up and rubbed your pounding skull and said, what did I do last night? Oh, man, you should have seen yourself. First, you got totally blitzed, and then, then, this is the best part, you recorded a live record. That's right. Back in January, No Effects booked three nights of talking mixed with the occasional song at Slim's in San Francisco and recorded a live record. Uh, it's their sloppiest, drunkest, funniest, best-sounding recording ever, with new versions of old songs, rare songs, and they even made sure not to play any song, any of the songs, off their 1995 live album, I Heard They Suck Live. I Heard mm. They've Gotten Worse Live is scheduled to make the walk of shame into record stores sometime in November. That's good copy. It's not bad copy, is it? And interesting that so it was booked uh three nights so yes, it would so have been the, the 30th 31st yeah. and first of i course. never know how many days there are in months i mean did learn the thing where you put your knuckles down or whatever it is but yeah I forget. but it's not accurate is it because there's like is there 28 days in february or something stupid i don't know sometimes 
Who knows? Sometimes there isn't. <laughs> Not us. That's the thing. It's yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter. I've got a calendar for that kind of shit. I'm such a calendar sheet. Oh, no wonder. It's like you know, uh, there there are some people who still drive places without sat navs. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, Waze is a bit different because that'll tell you if there's like a. a a diversion and stuff like that people yeah, update but it, it. it won't tell you if a road has a fucking 40 degree incline oh right is that so that... like it, it does send you like in air quotes quicker ways but you you end up going over the, the strangest roads imaginable oh really okay i thought yeah. that was just a problem with your car where you're like no my car can't do slope <laughs> like, well you've moved to the wrong fucking city then haven't you oh no I, i've got a jeep i'm all right oh right <laughs> I've got a full Range Rover. I've got, I've got an armored vehicle. It's fine. It's uh, eight wheel drive. But yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. So the, I I think um, I think these are these are possibly some of the very good places to start for no effects. You know yeah. the, uh, the the eternal question: How would you introduce a non fan? Well, I actually think one of my first introductions to NoFX was someone, and it might have even been yourself, playing me the longest line off of this album and going, see, they do a bit of basket case here. Isn't that funny? And you go, oh, that is quite humorous. Sounds like the sort of thing I'd do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's possible. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's weird. I think I sort of, I think there's a certain level of, I don't know how they blend it together. There's a certain level of cynicism in they've actually gotten worse live. And I mm -hmm. don't know what it is. I think it might be that this is where we have met um, post-drugs Mike. Of course, yeah, because he famously started doing drugs much later in life. Yeah, he he drank booze and had a bit of, bit of weed, but he was never a, a weed guy. Uh, like Melvin and Smelly, who were both, um, I think, still weed guys. I'm not sure though. Yeah, Hefe uh, gave up, didn't he? He was I briefly so. a weed weed guy. I think he. I th well, uh, I saw a video uh, when they were in Denver because Colorado's got legal weed, mm -hmm. and um, he literally said that it was a video that was put up the other day, like from one of their last, you know, the final forty show, and he literally just says. Um, has anybody got any weed? I couldn't sleep last night. I'm having this pounding headache. And someone throws like a cigar tube. I suppose it's a weed tube now uh, yeah. onto the stage. And he picks it up and he opens it. He tips it into it. He's like sniffs the tube, tips it into his hand. And like literally like is there with like slack jawed amazement at this joint he's just been thrown and then hands it to his like tech. Um, <laughs> so uh, maybe he uh, indulges from time to time now rather than. Yeah, uh, I think after know. a show might be his rule. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think so. No, I think they're all being. Uh, I think they're all trying to be sort of more present with these last shows. I would think, but mm. um, but yeah, I remember um, it was actually um, uh, comedian and actress Amy Gledhill. I was talking to uh, about No Effects, and she said, uh, "I really like No Effects, but when we saw them last time." All Mike did was talk about drugs for the entire set, and it was just like it was it was like you know when that lad at uni mm -hmm. has his first go on a spliff and all of a sudden turns up in like with like sort of you know weed necklaces and fucking arasta tam and stuff like that, and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah we, we we know mate it's like yeah 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 
Oh, sorry, sorry. I just got a bit of the paranoia off all of the weed that I smoke now. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, get it. Phew. Oh, it's a bit like smoking weed, this, isn't it? It's, like, it's not. Will you shut up? <laughs> yeah, and Mike was a bit like that and still can be to my taste because I, I find um, people who sort of show off about taking drugs to be utterly boring. Um, and um, Well, you know, funnily enough, like what I was listening to this album this morning uh they've actually gotten worse and yep. um my girlfriend was in the room who isn't um an fx fan and loves uh, drugs she made a re- <laughs> <laughs> she made a really good point where she said uh i don't think these guys lives are as chaotic as they're making out and i do agree to a point i think that hey look same as any entertainer yeah they are playing a role you know mm. like they are doing a bit they are doing a turn you know and they are playing you know uh heightened characters or caricatures of themselves i I mean they're literally their names are fat mike el jefe smelly like this is and eric (laughs) yeah and melvin yeah but you know even melvin doesn't go by his first name you know they're they're all these you know when Aaron Alberta gets in his car, drives to Mike Baquette's house or mm-hmm. wherever for the rehearsal and all that stuff. Then they get on the plane and then out, you know, Aaron Alberta is given his guitar by his guitar tech and he walks on stage and then he's like, hey, you know, he's he's El Jefe then, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a level that there must be some of that because, yeah, I just don't believe you can. Well, also, you know, Mike says very much that when he's not on tour, he's generally sober he doesn't you know he he whenever he gets like really messed up when he's off tour mm-hmm. that's when he's in like a depressive state you know having a really horrible time and that's a problem whereas you know he uses when he's on tour as a part of the thing and i'm like well you know that's fine it's uh and it makes sense but i think when he first sort of started doing like ecstasy and cocaine it was like it was like he just discovered something and he thought no one else noticed. And it's like, like, did you not see all the people doing heroin around you in the eighties and stuff? It's like <laughs> people know about drugs, Mike. <laughs> so sometimes that's kind of uh, less interesting uh, banter for me. But there you go. But that's. Uh, but I think you know that's that's one of the uh, that's one of the uh, the things I suppose. But that you know. Two properly solid pieces of work from No Effects on these two, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think it really um, breathes a little bit of fresh air back into their back catalogue. I think it, it definitely mm. adds something. It adds a, it gives me a, like more of an understanding of, of who they are as musicians and people. And I don't know, I, I think these live albums really... Oh, man, they're great. Like they just they just add something else to the back catalogue. I feel very stupid that I've not listened to them more. I listened to mm. Heard They Suck Live a lot uh when back in the nineties because there were fewer no effects albums. Yeah, and it's a good way to hear some yep. of your favourite no effects songs of the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All, all in one and place. I think I didn't own the longest line EP, so it was the only place I had to listen to "Kill All the White Man." Sure, um, and and all that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't own the earlier albums, so everything like that, you know, I didn't. Um, Life of Riley, uh, Nowhere, um, 
things like that, you know, drink you drive you spill, all of those kind of really hardcorey ones. Didn't have access to um, because there was no YouTube or streaming in those days. So unless you owned it or had a copy of it, you you didn't have it. So yeah, I think uh, that's great. And then they've actually gotten worse. I don't know why I haven't listened to that one more either. It's um, it, it's it's really really good. I think sometimes it's funny. yeah, I think I might have got sort of turned off the 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 stage banter a little bit, possibly because of the. It was like I went to see, um, if you're familiar with Glassjaw. Yep. Right. When the first Glassjaw out, or well, I don't know if it was the first one, but the Everything You Wanted to Know About Silence, which was out in the 90s, um, there was their song Pretty Lush was on a Kerrang! CD, and it was just brilliant. We're like, wow, this is really cool, really excited. But every time they tried to tour Europe, the singers... Um, yeah, Crohn's drones, disease right? yeah, yeah, would yeah. flare up due to probably you know un food and water levels yeah, that just, it just wasn't change, used like, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That sort of change is really, really bad for that, and so would end up being hospitalised and sent home before they played the gigs that I'd got tickets for. And this happened <laughs> loads. Wow. And it wasn't until, I mean, fuck me, gosh, um, must have been. So we sort of first had tickets to see them when we were maybe 15. And mm -hmm. I think my friends and I finally got to see them when we were about 25, 24. I was going to say they've been touring recently, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, well, the thing is, I didn't care much for their second or the, the album after that. It sort of was a bit, I really liked their hardcore stuff, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And we went to see them in Manchester and pulled apart by horses were supporting them. All right. Uh, yeah. Leeds band. And we watched them and he stopped being straight edge and he would just occasionally shout things like i'm addicted to x and hey someone get me another fucking beer and i was like what the fuck is wrong with you it's like it, it was just it was just like <laughs> what okay fine yeah all right let's sing more about you know heartbreak and how people are mean to you and stuff and uh yeah get so no wonder just... they're mean you shout at them yeah exactly well <laughs> someone has put on their mean trousers haven't they darren <laughs> i think that's his name um he did some vocals on the that first finch album as well he did some screaming on it i think yeah that's yeah fun. yeah that was one of those albums that was uh you know it, of, of its time, but oh, it, it it is a little time capsule that what it is to burn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. put that on and you're whisked back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 2002 or something like that. 2003. Um, yeah, everyone was going around rooting through Chino Moreno's um sort of laundry basket, going, mm. "I need these trousers to be as baggy as possible." Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Lord love him. Um. What's even funnier is Chino Moreno had uh, really baggy trousers. Then so he lost loads Deftones, of weight. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then he lost loads of weight and didn't get any new trousers. So he was like uber baggy. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that guy is the newest of all the metal. Love him. I like Deftones. Anyway. Yeah, Deftones um, are great. I've seen, um, I was once at Download Festival mm -hmm. and I was watching Pennywise in one of the tents. Mm -hmm. um, and. I worked out that if I just stood maybe about two meters outside of the tent, um, I could simultaneously watch Pennywise 
and Deftones on the main stage. Wow. I could like it was kind of, it was kind of incredible like goodness me. <laughs> That's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was really really good. Good day. And I, I think I think that was the day where I think No Effects played later. I think they right. then headlined the second stage. Oh, cool. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw Deftones once, and uh, in the middle of their set, they just covered "Say It Ain't So" by Weezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that a bit. Un- yeah, unironically, just straight up. Yeah, a lot of very confused, aggressive blokes. They're going, "What? Uh, uh, I I don't what it's Deftones." <laughs> so it is extreme. It's a, it's a good cover, though. But it's good, yeah, no, very good. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I don't know why that, although uh, it was also funny when uh, Everyone I saw... should be allowed to cover Weezer's Blue Album. Blue sure. Album, Pinkerton, it's fine by me. Sure. I like the green one as well. Yeah, it's got its moments. Yeah, I liked, um, although I saw Weezer one year and uh, they played Teenage Dirtbag because they uh, <laughs> they assumed loads of people would be there assuming that they were Weezer's. That's funny. So, so yeah, so they just played it and went, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I thought that was very good of them. No, it is, isn't it? And it's, you know, it's a sign of, you know, um, what music was like before Google and the internet had a stranglehold over our culture, you know, like. Also, I get the impression that uh, there was a lot of LimeWire downloads, Teenage mm. Dirtbag Weezer. Yeah. So, you know. Anyway, yeah. So that, but yeah, I think it comes back to, I do you, do you think that these are representative of No Effects as a live band? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think more so, uh, they've actually gotten worse. Maybe I heard they suck was a good representation of them at the time, mm-hmm. but they are much more chatty now. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, I'd say that's pretty much accurate. There may be some people. There, there will always be some people who maintain that these are the least accurate representations of No Effects Live ever, and I'm more punk than you. <clears throat> but you know that's fine. Uh, we'll attract that type with the name like Punk Rock Elite. But yeah, I, um, I, I would absolutely love it if they did that forty song live thing of their farewell tour. I think that would be uh, a brilliant way to sign it off. I think my final uh, point on these two live albums is uh-huh. I think it's quite interesting. They don't like they're not playing all of their biggest songs on these, particularly with they've gotten worse. Like at this point, you've done so long and, you know, there are tracks from so long on here. But mm. I don't know, like um, there's a lot of tracks missing that I'm surprised at. It is. It makes a lot less sense of a set list than "Heard They Suck Live." Mm, yeah, I heard "They Suck Live" makes total sense with the back yes. catalogue as it stood. It does. Yeah. Gotten worse. They seem to be very, very preoccupied with having stuff from seven inches, from sort of little EPs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I look. It's up to them what they play. You know, people. People get pissy about Radiohead not playing Creep or whatever. It's like, they don't have to play what you want. You've bought a ticket to see them do a show. You don't get to dictate the show. A, a su- side note, the best gig I've ever been to was, uh, uh, what year was it? Around 2017, something like that. Hmm. But I saw Radiohead headline Glastonbury. 
Oh, yeah. And they played all of the hits. Really? Like it was the set list they said they would never do. Wow. It was mega. Also, the, the big screens didn't show any pictures of the of them. Like so like if you were as far back as me, like you could you couldn't see them at all. Like the screens were just doing like a almost like a, like a, a Windows media uh visualizer throughout the whole wow. show. But they did creep, they did no surprises, they did airbag, they did lucky, they did uh man, like they uh it was good fucking gig. That's mad. They do Street Spirit fade out. Yes, of course <laughs> they did. I lost my shit. I was on well, a lot of MDMA. It was, you know, well, I yeah, was yeah. going through my phase as Mike did, where <laughs> I did lots of drugs and spoke about it far too much. Sure. I, remember, I remember I actually had to, uh, I've recently apologized to Alistair Beckett King, who's <laughs> quite a successful stand-up comedian yeah, and friend good. of ours, uh, yeah. who I was watching the gig with. And I recently said to him, I was like, oh, I'm, I think I was going through my awful drug phase at the time so i'm sorry if i was absolutely awful to be around and he was like oh no actually i i didn't really notice that so apparently i wasn't that bad but that's good in my very sweet man though so i was you know doing my best fat mike impression of i am on so many drugs look at me Um, i think yeah i don't think we hung out a huge amount during that time and i'm delighted probably for the best yeah yeah yeah, no no i'm very happy which is why we're still friends Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's um it's it's one of those things i mean i'm sure drugs are delightful but uh being next to someone on drugs i you know i i had uh well i ended up in hospital a couple times but i have basically grown to the understanding that i was built for weed and acid and nothing else fair enough yeah i think <laughs> uh, i think there's something very very powerful in understanding what your drug is yeah i i, I would i would recommend giving the drugs a go and finding sure, sure. out that and finding it out younger in life as well um i'm glad i did that, did that in my 20s sure. but you know sometimes you just take drugs and then you wake up very sad. Yes, I understand. And it depends that. whether it's worth the sadness. And for well, me, the thing is, was. is that I can wake up very sad. Yeah, exactly. After, right after a salad. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm like, I don't need any assistance on that one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I get fact, existential of, dread for free. In fact, in fact, a lot of my life is waking up sad after a salad. But um, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. That's the thing is that I, I sort of. I don't know, someone was like, oh, come on, surely you want to have as much fun as that guy. I'll turn around, there's a guy trying to chew his own ear. I'm like, I don't know. If that was a dog, they'd put it down. So (laughs) anyway, that's fine. Uh, Have your drugs if you want them. But yeah, I think think far too many people think that weed and booze are their drugs, and they absolutely aren't. Yeah. It's a shame that more drugs aren't readily available in a sort of a, a safe, consistent way, because so many people would be better on those ones they're not supposed to have than the ones they're currently allowed. I completely agree. And so, therefore, I think it would be a lot easier if, uh, you know, well, oh, oh, but what about, oh, oh, you know, we'd lose money and alcohol. Okay. Find a way. I thought you were supposed to be capitalists, right? I thought you were supposed to be good at this. <laughs> also, it's- since lockdown, a lot of people aren't drinking as much. So I, I don't really drink alcohol anymore. Um, I very rarely do, yeah hardline rule with it but i generally don't Hmm. and so do a lot of like a lot of people aren't drinking uh in the way that they were pre-lockdown and so venues 
currently are adapting to you know mm. being oh, yeah, of course. Without many drinkers and you know um it you know it, it's happening trends change it's yeah. just how you got to get used to it that's just that's just what happens oh there that's one thing i was um i was going to say about uh when we were talking about how um you know no effects of playing their characters on stage mm-hmm. or, or you know their amped up version even if they don't realize it i imagine they are um you know that's that's how it is that's part of the thing it's much like when um we've both seen this as as stand-ups when um there's an act who's uh, a comedian whose act relies heavily on uh, who's drinking tonight, oh, and then do a load of stories about being drunk. Yeah, I've seen people buy half a pint of beer, ask for a pint glass, pour it into the pint glass, walk on stage and go, oh, who's drinking tonight? Oh, they'll have a few sips, maybe even finish that. And mm-hmm. then they're still perfectly fine to drive home afterwards, but giving it off as if they're like, oh, I'm off to get mangled tonight. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But, you know, if it works, it works. You know, that's... Uh, I pl- we also know plenty of people who are definitely drunk while they perform every single time. So you And know, it, while they drive home. And they and, should not yeah. be trusted. And, yeah, and absolutely while they while they drive home. I'm not friends with those ones. But, no, uh, me neither. That's, uh, that's how it is. Anyway, don't drink and drive. You might spill your drink. <laughs> Bringing it back to Heard They Suck Live. Track number eight. Um yeah cool well uh we're gonna do an outro for this one so uh we'll see you on the other side won't be a moment <laughs> well we've just stepped out outside of the club our yeah. uh, our sweaty shoulders are steaming in the mm-hmm. cool night air and uh oh no someone's been sick on all all over the t-shirts on the ground oh, never mind oh, sorry about that five pound your t-shirt seven pound your <laughs> That's uh, what they cost in my day. Uh, so there we go. They're uh, the NoFX's live discography. It's good, man. It's, you know what? Can't argue. I think it's uh, pretty solid. Um, I Even the songs that I'm not that thrilled about, I still think are good live. I agree. And, you know, I'm chomping at the bit for a new updated NoFX live album. And I think mm. you make a great point. They should be doing 40 songs in 40 cities recorded across this final tour. Mm. Uh, if they don't do that, well... That's weird, isn't it? I, I don't know what I'll do. No. But it may involve crying. It may, I mean, certainly a huge... I'll feel worse than if I had a salad uh, and woke up <laughs> the next day. I'll be, I'll be in tears. But yeah, I, I just think, given how savvy Mike has been as a business person and how much... He sort of enjoys sort of special releases, special editions, you know, Mm -hmm. limited runs and stuff like that. You'd think that, I mean, it'll definitely be out on like a quadruple vinyl or something like that, won't it? That'll be the the, the only way it's going to be consumed is that way. So, yeah, absolutely. But someone will definitely digitize it and that will be, they'll be a blessed person. So, yeah, um, absolutely loved listening to these again. Really, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, the first one, Heard They Suck Live, has a lot of nostalgia for me because it was one we listened to a lot. As sort of, Like when you'd listen to music with your friends as as a thing, which doesn't happen so much the older you get, particularly post-lockdown, I suppose. And they've actually gotten worse. I remember enjoying that one 
a lot. I was, uh, I think I was living in Madrid at the time. And so that was something I'd have on and I was going around public transport, but, uh, you know, going to work and stuff like that. So two very different vibes. Yeah. One of them, I was a working adult um, in a foreign country, which felt very grown up. And the first <laughs> one listening to when, you know, I only had to shave once a month as opposed to twice a month like I do now. But that's uh... <laughs> so, yeah. So I think um, absolutely get on those. If you're, if you want to hear what no effects are going for in the studio, certainly in the first one, definitely have a listen. Absolutely. Cool. Well, if you have any feelings on their live work, uh, be it stuff that you've seen or, you know, are there versions live that you prefer or there versions live that you don't think quite match up to the uh the the album version do let us know punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com uh anything coming up that you want people to know about red um um uh you know i'm busy with work i am uh, promoting shows at the lead mill where i, I uh, book and promote all of their comedy tour shows um so we've got plenty of stuff coming up including some very special shows that are yet to be announced. But head to lebmill.co.uk, uh, look at the comedy listing, see what we've got coming up. Amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's the main thing I'm working on at the moment. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds good. Well, uh, I've got some stuff coming up, I'm sure. Um, I might even update people about it. Uh, Discount Comedy Checkout is the name of the improv group I've alluded to many times and that I'm in. Uh, we're mainly around Leeds and the northeast mm-hmm. of um, uh, the of uh, England at the moment, but we've got some other stuff in a little while. We'll be spreading out a bit, I hope. Um, and you can, you know, if the idea of improv doesn't make you sick, come and watch us. Uh, <laughs> we can't guarantee we won't be sick. No, I'm, uh, I'm doing that thing where I make fun of it before anyone else can, because I know you will. So, uh, yeah, anyway, come and see us then. Uh, but uh, until then, do let other people know about this. Tell people about it. If you think they'll dig it, let them know, because we'd love more people to hear this, because we have a great deal of fun, and we think it'd be cool if people were able to share said fun. So anyway, uh, thanks so much, Red. Thank you, Eddie. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scraped and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.